You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. So what do you mean, pastor? Okay, uh, glad you asked. Let's go to some scripture. Isaiah uh, chapter 9, the first seven verses. So there's a lot of scripture up there. Some of you are already squinting, right, trying to read it. Okay, uh, you can follow along, uh, like Kyle said, on the Connect page and sermon notes. Uh, but this was Isaiah writing prophecy about Jesus Christ. And he says, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. These kinds of scriptures are really ones that get pastors in trouble on Sunday morning because there's a lot of stuff that's just rolling through my head that's not in my sermon notes, you know, and I could go on all day. But I I hope you're getting that that there is a lot in these verses of Scripture right here that Isaiah is writing that is going to happen because of the coming Messiah. Um, And he goes on, You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire, for a child is born to us. A son is given, back up there, for a child, meaning for or because. Or This is the reason, or this is how this is going to happen, is because a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So, what happened 2,000 years ago, somewhere in Bethlehem, and, and, and we, kinda, you know, we, we kind of imagined that it was in a stable somewhere because we know Jesus was laid in a manger because it says there was no room for them in the end. So, we just thought, it doesn't say in the scripture that he actually was born in a stable, but you just kind of, well, there's no room in the end and there's a manger there, so sounds like it was a stable. Wherever it was he was born, some cave, some lean-to, some shed, some whatever he was born, wherever he was born, the important thing isn't that a baby was born in a stable 2,000 years ago. I mean, yeah, a child is born. Unto us a child is born. A son is given. You know, those, those things happen, but it's not just that, but it's what came because of the birth of that baby, the birth of that son, the son of God. It's what happened with that, you see, because everything else, we, we talked about this uh, several months ago in a sermon. We talked about how um, throughout history, come on, you guys, every one of you, you studied some world history, even, even if you slept through it in high school, you studied a little bit of world history. And human beings are not kind to other human beings. Our sinful nature makes us not treat one another very well. It wasn't the Greeks 
that brought in fairness. It wasn't the Roman, uh, the Roman government that brought in fairness, but it was Christianity. It was Jesus. It was, it, was, it was his doctrine of good news, great joy to all people. It was his doctrine of fairness, of treating one another the way you want to be treated, of loving your, your enemies, of praying for those who spitefully use you. I mean, that's what has transformed my world and your world because th this is what has come. There's so much joy and, and, and hope and peace, grace and forgiveness, and, and, and this kind of, of love that doesn't say, if you love me, I'll love you back, and I'll love you back just as far as you love me, and that's as far as I'll go. But this self-sacrifice, this, this uh, selflessness, this uh, everything but narcissism, and all of these things were born in that stable that night when Jesus was born. That's why this sermon series is titled, All I Need to Know I Learned at Christmas. It's because everything is there. It all begins there. And I know some of say, but, but what about Easter? Easter, we, we got to have the death of Christ, the resurrection. Jesus doesn't die unless he's born. <laughs> and he can't get up unless he dies. So, I mean, it all begins right here. And if we look deep enough into Christmas, we will see everything that is already right there. So, you don't have to understand it all to accept the greatest gift that was ever given. You don't have to uh, understand uh, the depths of everything so that you can just receive these most important gifts that Jesus wants to give us. Okay, so that's the introduction to the sermon series. Now let's preach today's message. And my clock's already running, okay, so don't worry about that. I, I knew that, all right? So here's, here's what I want to talk about this morning. All right, next, next slide for me, Kevin, if you will. Why Jesus came. Okay, let, if we can answer that question, we're going to learn a whole lot of things. Now, Kimberly Wayne said this. Wayne said this. She said, in John chapter 1, in the Bible, John chapter 1, we get introduced to a guy called John the Baptist. You've probably heard of him. Even if you're not in church a whole lot, you've probably heard of John the Baptist. In John chapter 1, John the Baptist sets the stage for the invasion of this world by the kingdom of God. He's telling his disciples about it. He's got some disciples around him just like Jesus had around him. And uh, people are following, people are listening to him. Even the religious people that didn't like John the Baptist, they were there to hear him so they could, you know, point fingers, they could accuse him of stuff and all of that. And so everybody's hearing that and he is setting the stage for this invasion of the kingdom of God that's coming through Jesus Christ. And as much as he tries to tell them what Jesus is going to do, they still don't get it. John the Baptist his own disciples that have heard him talk about Jesus and heard him talk about Jesus and heard him talk about Jesus, they still don't get it. They're surprised. Uh, the, the, just the common people are surprised when Jesus shows up and claims to be the Messiah. And the religious people are very surprised. I think they're beyond surprised. They are disappointed because just about all of them were expecting a real invasion. You know what I mean? They were expecting him to show up with angels and swords, you know, and all of that. They were expecting an army to come. The heavens' armies, as, as, as Isaiah prophesied, are going to make sure this happened. I mean, that's, that's kind of what they had in their mind is the armies of heaven are going to come to this earth and they're going to overthrow the Roman Empire. So they were all disappointed. But let me point out something to you. <laughs> if you. If you look throughout all the life of Christ and the disciples, and even, even if you look in uh, the book of Acts and in the life of Paul the Apostle, you will find that um, Jesus and Paul, they get accused 
to Roman leaders over and over and over. But you know what you won't see? You will never see one of the Roman leaders who ever sees the kingdom of God as a challenge to the Roman Empire. Now, I know you and I say, but it, it wasn't a way. But you know what? That wasn't why Jesus came. That's what they were expecting. That's what the, the, the Jews were expecting. John the Baptist's disciples were expecting. The religious people were expecting. Is they were expecting a war invasion. They were expecting, they were expecting bloodshed. But Jesus didn't come. He didn't come to, to push down governments. I mean, you know, that's kind of what we want to do these days, right? But when you push down a government, another one's coming back. Another one's going to spring up. I mean, you, you pick the one that's foremost on your mind that you just wish it would just dissolve and be wiped off the face of the earth. Another one's going to just fill its place. Jesus didn't come to fix, you know, really, you know, what you and I see as, as we think are the problems, but that he knows are the symptoms. He didn't come with an invasion of political and social power. Jesus came with an invasion of power to change the heart and soul of mankind. He came to dispel the darkness. He didn't come against the Roman Empire. He didn't come a, a couple of hundred years earlier to come against the Greek Empire. He didn't come against the Babylonian Empire. He came against the kingdom of darkness, bringing light to us. All right, so how do I lay this out for you? I think it's this. Why Jesus came is he came to sleep in a manger. He came to sleep in a manger. Now, that sounds kind of cute. Sounds like, a, sounds like a, a kid sermon now, aren't we? Okay, we're going to talk about sleeping in a manger. Jesus, I believe Jesus came to sleep in a manger. All right, let me lay out a few points for you here, okay? It's first of all is this. It was no accident that Jesus was born around animals or whatever and laid in this manger, wherever he was born. It was no, it was no accident. That scripture we first read in Isaiah chapter 9 was written 700 years before the birth of Christ. In 700 years, do you not believe that God could have figured out how, you know, I can give him a nice crib in 700 years. You know, I can give him a nice place. I can give him a family with a little bit more so that they could, you know, they could slide some money to the innkeeper and they could get in the door. God had plenty of time and he chose to do it exactly like this and exactly in this time. And, and boy, that, 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 that whole thing is, is going to be important. Some I want to share with you toward the end. So, so hang on to that. Is he chose exactly this moment, exactly this time, and exactly these circumstances. God could have done it any other way. And in your life, God could do things any way he wants to, but whatever it is that you're dealing with that he wants to help you with, God is choosing to do it right here, right now, in you, through you. God is choosing this. There's no accident. He prophesied this. A, a, a lot of, not just, not just chapter 9, but a lot of Isaiah is written as prophecy about, about Jesus. And every bit of it, God did on purpose. God is pro God's not prophesying, hey, this is going to just kind of happen. God said, no, this is what I'm going to make happen, and I'm going to make sure the armies of heaven are going to make sure this. So that's no accident that he was born in a, in a, born in a stable, laid in a manger, right, that he slept in a manger. Okay, so what is a manger? Y'all know what a manger is? It's a food trough. Yeah, it is a place to find food. Think about that. You know, the shepherd, he, he, he goes to the manger. He takes some fresh hay, and he puts it in the manger. Whenever he sees that the manger is empty, he gets some more and he, gets, and he keeps it fill, filled. 
And so anytime that one of the, one of the uh, animals that's in the stable wants some, all they've got to do is just walk by and start eating. Right, right? It's like we see that, but now we see that the bread of life. The, the bread that comes down from God out of heaven. I mean, those are a couple of, of Jesus' uh, own uh, nicknames that he was also known by. The bread of life, the bread that comes down out of heaven. Now he's laying in a manger. And so you and I, we have that. It's a, it's a place to find food. What is it you need today? It's a place to find that. What is it you're struggling with? It's a place to find your answers. It's right there in the manger. And, and, and it's, it's full. It's full all the time. It's like a smorgasbord and a buffet and all of that rolled into one. Whatever it is, it's right there. And any time you need it is there. And as much as you need and as long as you need it, it's there. But, but I think what a lot of us do is we see it and say, yeah, that's nice. And, and it's like we, we show up on Sunday and, it's, man, it's sitting right here, this manger that is full of the bread of life, this manger that is full of the Son of God and all that he wants to do for us. And, yeah, that's nice. And, and then we, we just almost ignore it like but I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right and we just kind of keep on walking by but whenever you get ready to stop just getting by whenever you get ready to stop just aching making your way through life and struggling whenever you get ready the manger is still full of this wonderful awesome savior the manger is also a a humble thing. It's a, a humble place. I think about, I just told you what a manger was, right? We, I think we all knew that. But so what is on the manger? Okay, so I, I, I see Joseph, you know, Mary's giving birth, and I see Joseph say, well, I got to get some, some ready for this place for this baby to sleep. And so he gets this manger, and he tries to clean it off, right? Because what's on the manger? Every animal that has come to eat has slobbered on the manger. Donkey spit, <laughs> lamb slobber, all of it is right there on the manger. And any animal that spits up while they're eating, where does it drop? Okay, I appreciate it. I'm glad you guys, some of y'all squinting and like, I'm glad you're getting this because I, I say, why in the world would God, our Father, Jesus' Father in heaven, why would he put his own son, because he could have chosen any other way. But he there was no accident. He chose this. Why would he do that? He could have been in a, this, 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 what, what's, the, what's the best crib or cradle in town? I mean, gold-plated or something, right? Up, way up here. He could have put him in that. But instead, he put, him, he put him in the lowest thing they could find to sleep. The Father made sure Jesus was laid in that. Why? So no matter how you feel about yourself, no matter what level your self-esteem is, no one would have to feel unworthy to come to this Savior. No one has to find a way to get through or to get by because every one of us can find our way because the manger is also an obscure place. You know, no gated community here, right? No guard shacks, no personal assistants or handlers that are keeping everybody away. I mean, no paparazzi, you know, taking pictures of Jesus that night. Nobody's there. The, the uh, shepherds didn't have to run the gamut of, of thousands of people thronging him. It was easy. Just walk up. Get that? Just walk up in an obscure place. 
just you and him. Nobody else. You, we don't have to have all of that. Jesus, see, he didn't come. He didn't come with all the facades that, that a lot of people have. I meant, goodness, you know, what, what stuff we do to, to make people think higher of us than they actually probably should these days. But Jesus didn't come with those facades or those trappings of social agendas, political agendas. You know, and because of that, there were no people with hidden agendas around the manger that night. Because there was nothing there, you know, I mean, this was one of those times, you know, police could say, nothing here to see. I mean, that's the way everybody felt about it. There was no reason to be there. But because of that, it throws the thing just wide open for any one of us to show up and see him and hear him and feed from him that night. And before I go on past this, can I ask you a question? When was it that we decided our social agendas and our political agendas were God's will? When was it that we started thinking that, you know, what is important? At this, you know, and, and why do we think that? Imagine this morning if Kyle had started the service. Appreciate that, Kyle. You didn't know you were setting me up there. Imagine if he had started the service and say, listen, they let me do navigation this morning, so I'm in charge. Only Auburn fans can come to know Jesus today. Only, them can, only Auburn fans can ask God to get what they need from, from God. Only Auburn fans can worship. Only, that'd be... What would, I, mean, I, I don't even know a word. Be, ludicrous is not even close to a word to define what that would be like for someone to say, if, only if you fit into this. But then, when did we start saying our social agenda, our political agendas, the way we feel about things has to be God's will? And so if you don't fit in this, Jesus didn't come. We've already talked about that just a little bit. Jesus didn't come to push down governments. He came to destroy the works of darkness. And he came to sleep in that manger because Jesus is a savior for every circumstance. No matter what you're facing today, and not just you, but the people around you, no matter what people are facing Jesus came for that circumstance, that situation. You know, I think, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, probably it was the year before, we didn't get to have services last year because of COVID uh, stuff and didn't get to have live services last year. Got to have some online services. But I, I kind of mentioned this, that Jesus could have, could have just sent us a note, Right? Did he have to come? He could have sent us a note. I mean, he, 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 could, he could have just had, okay, he had Isaiah prophesy. 700 years later, he could have just had somebody else prophesy. He could have, uh, you know, just sent the angels like he did to the shepherds. You remember that part of the story? We'll get to that next week, okay? He could have, just like he had the angels, he could have just let the angels just say all of it. You know, not just sing a little bit, and just talk, but just say all of it and let people write down. But, but that wasn't enough. Jesus came to the manger. He came to sleep in the manger because he came to be with us. 
and, and, and not just like be in a room with us, you know, and say, man, that, that stuff you're going through today. No, he came to be in the middle of whatever it is we're going through. The struggles and the battles and the financial situations, uh, you know, the, the, the dirt and the, you know, just everything that we have to deal with. He came to be in it with us. That's why he came. And, and uh, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, uh, thank you. This is, again, part of the, part of the prophecy of, of Jesus. He writes, all right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's another one of Jesus' uh, nicknames, okay? You know, he was called Jesus on a regular basis, but this is one of the things he was called. Why? Because he's not just God, he is God with us. And not just with us in, in, in spirit, he is with us. He has already walked through everything you're going to walk through. The Word of God says he's, he was uh, tempted in all manner that you and I are tempted. So all the things that you're struggling with or dealing with, all the battles that you face, all the accusations, all the hurt and pain, the betrayals, and I mean, what is it you're going through? Throw it out there. And Jesus has already walked through that, and so he is God with you in the middle of that situation. That's who he is. There was a testimony, and I, I, I know some of you saw it, online, and, and uh, I've got the link to it in, in the sermon notes today, uh, because I'm going to share it real quick, but, um, and it's not probably take me just as long to share it as it would for us to read it, so it's not that long, but really encourage you. If it, if it kind of interests you a little bit, go read this today, okay? Um, Cassie Lynch, and this was just last year, in the middle of all this going on COVID and all the things going on with everything around it and social injustice stuff and, and fairness and everything all, all that was happening she and her family were going through for her life for the, her young life the worst thing they had ever gone through together and uh, she ended up because of situations totally beyond her control she ended up going to a church service all by herself at her home church she said, uh, none of the family was with me. Not her problem, not her fault, but she just ended up all by herself. She said she made her way down toward the front where she normally sat with her family. They weren't with, they weren't with her that morning. And she said, the, um, this was the Christmas service, and she said when the very first uh, carol, the very first Christmas song started ringing out, she said the tears began flowing down my face because she was so broken from what was going on in her family. And she said she started to feel embarrassed. And I'm not embarrassed because she had never cried. She'd cried before in service. She'd cried before, you know, in worship. But because of what was going on, and everybody was there to celebrate Jesus. And, you know, to, to, like the songs we were singing this morning, and throw up our hands, you know, and just say, yes, he's moved the mountains, and I believe he can do it again. And everybody's celebrating and loving on Jesus. And yet there she is, sitting right in the front, you know, she just being a, you know, just, she just being a wet towel on everybody's party is the way she felt. And so she told Jesus that. She said, I just, I just closed my eyes. I just spoke to him and said, I am sorry that I am messing up your party today. There are all these people are here to celebrate you, and, and, and I'm just, I am so sorry. She felt like she shouldn't have even come that day because she was the, the, the dampening spirit on all the celebration going on. 
But she said it was in that moment that Jesus spoke to her and changed her whole attitude toward Christmas. And she said, Jesus spoke to her and said, Cassie, I didn't come for the people who were celebrating, but I came for the people who were mourning. And I came specifically for you right now where you are. You might not need to hear that. But there are people in this room that needed to hear that today. Jesus didn't come for those that can just celebrate. But he came for those that are mourning, that are struggling. And so in her testimony, Cassie, she wraps it up with this right here. She says, if this year broke you down, isolated you, left you grieving or fearful or hurt, I want you to know that you don't have to muster up cheer. You don't have to feel like a downer in the midst of celebration. You can sit at the feet of a Savior who came for you where you're at right now. That's how Emmanuel works. It's God with us in the dirt, giving us hope in the face of despair. Can I read that last part? That's how Emmanuel worked. God with us, that's how it works. It's God with us in the dirt, giving us hope in the face of despair. And then she closes with a paraphrase of Isaiah 9 and 2, which we read at the beginning, but this is a little different. It's a paraphrase of that. And, and she's, it's written this way. Those who walk in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in spaces of deepest darkness, a light has dawned. Every one of us knows the darkness. Every one of us knows the darkness. We're surrounded by it. It's all around us. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.